Welcome. My name is Shaida Bango Bango. And this is another episode of This Is Her America. Today I'm going to be diving into something personal that happened to me. And that is my fostered life story. I've never really shared what happened to me. I've shared a little bit on social media, especially Instagram. By the way, if you're not following me on Instagram, you can follow me at Shaida Bango Bango underscore. I've shared quite a few times about being raised in the foster care system, but I've never really shared my story. And this is the first time that I'm actually really diving into my life growing up in Gaithersburg, Maryland, growing up with a single mother and how hard that was. And into my life going through foster care, going through kinship, and then eventually making my way out by aging outside of the system and trying to become the independent responsible woman that you all know today. It's been quite the journey and it's not have been an easy road to take. But I feel empowered by giving by sharing my story because I know that I am not alone in my experience. I know there are plenty. I have plenty of peers, plenty of friends who have walked a similar path that I have walked. And I want to take this time to just be open to shed some light on issues that go on in the foster care system. Because in this day and age, you see more and more situations of People coming out of broken homes. And as a conservative, as someone who's vocalized about being pro-family, about being pro the nuclear family, it is so important for children to grow up in a healthy and happy environment with adults, necessarily a mom and a dad, that form a very strong relationship and form a very strong foundation where they can grow and grow well spiritually, emotionally, physically, developmentally, fundamentally. It's just so, so important. And today, as I share my story, it's just going to enlighten what needs to be done more in this world and what we could be doing more for children who are already vulnerable. This is my fostered life story. In this episode, as I dive into my story, I'm going to use fake names to cover up the identities of some of the adults that played a significant role role in my life especially during the foster care years because I just want to protect everybody's privacy and not give clues to who they are or where they or where they are so let's get into it in March of 2000 I was born to a single mother single mother my dad was pretty much an absentee father he wasn't involved for most of my life he may have been a little bit more involved in the first couple of months maybe up to the first year of my life but pretty much an absentee father and there are moments where he does come in the picture periodically throughout my life so let's just say that the relationship that I have with my dad is pretty scarce especially today when I was born, my dad, my mom and dad were not together. In fact, my dad was married to another woman who he had who he had already had children 
with and continue to have kids with after I was born. So I have half siblings, all on my dad's side. Between him and my mom, it's just me. Growing up in Maryland with a single mother, I was, I grew up pretty much isolated. My mother struggled to keep us afloat financially, and she also had emotionally and mentally, emotional and mental problems. Growing up, I didn't know how to express how to define it. But as I got older and reflect more, I understood some of the things that my mom was going through. And there were definitely issues happening inside her that she just wasn't um, working out for herself. And it really had a negative impact on me. I grew up very isolated. I didn't partake in any school clubs or peer related activities because my mom was certain that something she always lived in this constant fear that something bad might happen to me and so I never really got to I never really got to socialize a lot with other peers as a kid I never went out with friends out in the town go to malls or go to the park and play after school when I would go to school and hang out with my friends at school they really just be my school friends I never really hang out with people um, outside of school for most of my young my for my young childhood self from pretty much ages pre-k years to maybe about nine or ten and that was rough because it really hurted my socialization skills so when where i went to elementary school it was about a five to ten minute walk from where i lived so it was very easy for me to just commute there and back and when i would leave school and come back home my mom would work long hours as a nurse she works as a cna and even now she still works works and and provide care for elderly people now so i would come home and i was expected to come let my lock unlock the door to the front door because I because I had the key I was able to unlock the front door and lock it behind me and she would and take a tray of food that she would leave prep prepared for me as I would come back and the tray of food would just consist of snacks juice boxes things um to hold me over until she were until she was able to come home a couple hours later. And so I would come home, I would take the plate of food that she would leave me and I would take it into her bedroom because her bedroom had a double locked and mine didn't. And so I would go into her bedroom, locked the door and I would basically just chill there. I would eat my snacks, do homework, watch PBS shows in standard routine until she came home in the evening. So that we and when and that was when we would basically rejoin each other and be able to spend time together. My mother was physically and emotionally abusive towards me and I think the reason why she was so abusive towards me was again the emotional and mental problems she endured within herself that she didn't really learn how to um, channel it out in a healthy way that wouldn't endanger me 
as a child or even herself. And some of the ways that she was physically abusive towards me is how she would discipline me when I would misbehave or do something that was bad. She would beat me with flip-flops, spoons, even cords, even like electric cords that you use to plug in your electric devices. She would use to beat me and she would leave bruises and things of and it was just awful. I just have very real and very dramatic memories of her just beating me as a child. I tried to get my school counselor involved and try to tell her about what the situation was. I thought, looking back for the most part, that my school counselor was kind of dismissive of the issue. Maybe because she talked to my mom and my mom was able to explain it um down and she it almost like she kind of took her side and i just kind of felt i just felt unheard i just felt that nobody was taking my issue seriously because as a kid i just felt unsure whether my mom really cared about me or loved me in that during that time one day my mom got a phone call and it was from school and she got really upset she got so upset that when i came home from school that day she got aggressive with me and decided to throw me out of the house this kicked her nine-year-old child outside of the home and i had nowhere to go but this was um, how I remember it after school, took place after school because I came home. So I decided to walk back to school in hopes that I could probably figure out something there with a counselor or even somebody in the main office, hopefully. And... I met up with a schoolmate of mine who ended up um who I ended up explaining the situation to and she was able to get help get her parents involved and and they ended up my schoolmate and her family ended up taking me in for a couple of nights while my mom worked out this breakdown and it was actually when the school got CPS child protective services involved and that's how I actually got introduced to my first social worker. Social worker. During my entire time in the foster care system, I had two social workers. And my first social worker, who I would call Miss Val, ended up will remain being my social worker or on my case. And from the time that I met her, which was nine slash ten, to 16 years old so she was with me for majority of my time in the foster care system my dad um this was also during the time when my dad briefly came into the picture and he took me in for a while and was able to support me However, his family didn't take a liking to me being there because they thought that that meant um, trouble was coming from my mother. In fact, my stepmother, who who was my dad's wife and my older half-brother, spoke to him about my presence may be causing a disturbance because that meant that might bring drama for my mother my mother may have come and caused issues for them and she did and so my so what what essentially happened is they gave him an ultimatum either they were going to he either had to move me out of the house or they were going to handle things their way And my father ended up placing me out of the home and with my maternal aunt, who's my mother's sister, 
whom I should call her Aunt Elaine, and my uncle, John. And together, my Aunt Elaine and Uncle John, they were a strong, faithful um, they, couple. They had uh, a great church community. And in fact, years later, when as I uh, came back to them as a older teenager, as I will, as I continue to explain on the story, you, it will, I will make, it will all make sense eventually. As I would come back to them as a teenager, there was a time where after foster care, I would come back to them as an older teenager. Yes, I ended up studying in the church as a studying the Bible in the church there and become a disciple and a daughter of Christ. So I went from being with my dad at age 10. And at age 10, it was also when I was officially placed out of my mom's home. And it would be the last time I would ever be there. I was a I would I would be placed out of my mom's home at age 10 and I would never return back there. So I was with my dad for a short amount of time and now I was living with my aunt. I was going into my uh, I was finishing up fourth grade and going to fifth grade. And in fact, I had to change schools um, prior to going to fifth grade. So from age 10 to 11, I was living with my maternal aunt, Elaine, and Uncle John, and my cousin, the daughter, my cousin, the daughter that they, the only child that they ever had. And life was pretty much normal. We would go, I would go to school. My cousin, who was a few years older, would go to her school, which she went, she already went to middle school at this time. We would go to church. We would partake in family activities. And we would go to summer camps and things would be pretty normal. However, my mother didn't like that my maternal aunt, Elaine, um, was, has, had, taken me, had taken me under her wings and had me in her home and was practically raising me. And so there was friction between them. And so towards the end of my fifth grade year, my aunt told me that I was going to be placed out of the house and I was practically going into the foster care system. Miss Val, my social worker, who I have had, I had issues with my social worker Val and how she chose to handle some of the issues that came up in my case um, throughout my time in the foster care system. There were times when she would have her moments and she would really stepped up as a social worker. and But there were times where she gravely failed me. And to this day, I'm not really sure how um, it is possible that the, the Department of Social Services is able to overlook some of the things that she has done and has failed to do as a social worker, as someone who's po- whose job is literally to protect children from um, to protect children from any sense of danger or unsafety. My aunt Elaine uh, told me that I was going to be moving out at the end of my fifth grade year, and that I was going to live in my first foster home. So Miss Val actually picked me up the day that I graduated from fifth grade and moved me into my first foster home. In my first foster home, my foster mother was a single grandmother. She had kids in the home. I'm going to call her Jewel. 
And Jewel had adult children who were already grown up and out of the house and married and had kids. And in the house where I was living in, she had three other girls. She had two teenage girls. One was about ready to leave for college and was going into her senior year. Both of them, both of the teenage girls she adopted at a young age, at, at young ages. And then she was fostering another girl besides me that was five to six years younger than me. There were things that happened to me in this house, in this house, right from the get go as I went into the house between me and another child who was a biological member of the family. She wasn't living in the in the household with me, but she was um, related to Miss Jewel, my foster mom, and it. The situation was so, um, it, it was so gruesome for me and so traumatic that even now when I think about it, I just, when my social worker learned about it, she still kept me and she still had me remain in that household. And not only, um, it happened like right as I like moved in, like right as I was like was new and was getting to know everybody it happened very um quickly and it's something that i'm not comfortable sharing just yet on this platform so just please um please be easy on me when i share this but even when i think about it now it started it boggles my mind that she was even comfortable letting me stay remain in this household for the next two years that I was there. I was in this household from age 11 to 13. It was in this household, I would constantly be fighting with other girls. I would, one of the teenage daughters that she had would always um, pick, fight, pick fight, fights with me. And she really didn't like me. I felt like I was alone and isolated from the other kids in the family she had jewel had grandchildren that would come visit her regularly and there were definitely physical fights between me and them and i definitely felt like i was on my own in that household a lot and it started, I started exhibiting um, symptoms of depression even as early as 11. And the reason why I know this is because I was seeing a psychologist at a time who, who explained to me that um, some of the things that we're feeling was kind of aligned with the diagnosis of a depressive disorder. However, um, I grew up in only black foster homes and in the black community, at least in the community where I was in, mental health wasn't, uh, it wasn't, it was something frowned upon. Like when you talk about having mental health issues and going to counseling and and things of that nature it wasn't it wasn't even it was frowned upon you you didn't talk about mental health you didn't um share about emotional problems mental health problems otherwise you were deemed crazy or mentally ill and that was definitely the energy i was getting from my foster mom jewel And so she just wasn't somebody somebody that could be there for me emotionally or um, mentally. It was also in this first foster home, I was introduced to the CASA program. And in case you don't know what the CASA 
program is. It's a volunteer program where uh, adults can, if you're thinking about getting involved in the foster care system, this might be a good way to go about it. You basically volunteer time to help um, mentor or guide a foster child. And you basically will, they will sign you to a case and you'll be able to learn more about the foster child that you're, that you're being assigned to and you're able to visit them and take them places and have fun and basically like take the sting out of, take the ache and the sting of being a foster kid for one moment. I had, I had two casas. My first casa was an elderly woman who I really liked and really enjoyed my spending my spending time with when she was my casa she would pick me up regularly um after school when i would come home and take me to burger king and we would get smoothies and she would bring snacks and we would play board games and so on and so forth but she had my first casa she had issues going on in her personal life and so she had to step down and then that led to my second casa who ended up staying with me not only throughout my whole time in the foster care system but even afterwards as I aged out even we still are connected even to this day she has her whole her whole own life she lives outside the country now she has a family she has a kid and and i just feel like um yesterday she was this phd student that i was just had that i was that was my casa and i had a i was definitely i definitely was i had a wall i built like such a guard against her because um because I had such an issue with trust and trusting adults because even as early because in such as an early age I was already failed by so many adults at this point that it just became hopeless for me but if you knew my casa and the effort and the energy and the time that she invested in me and the belief that she had in me that I could be more than just a than just the label of a foster kid that I could actually have an impact in in the world around me and she actually believed that I could do great things and she would actually encourage me to do well in school which in fact I did I despite having a troubling home environment one of the things that I was able to do mostly throughout most of my time in the foster care system was excel well in school I was an honor roll student almost throughout middle school and some of high school and when it came time to get think about college I was actually I was actually accepted to most of the colleges I applied to and so my casa who I will name her name her Hannah because I'm not sure if she's comfortable with me sharing her identity I just thank Hannah. I just the, the the gratitude I have for her and the impact she's has she has had in my life is just unmatched. It truly is unmatched and I will always be grateful for what she has done for me. So, moving on next, I'm in my first foster home. Things are happening in that home that are that's traumatic for me. I'm go, I'm expressing, the, I'm having periods of depression in the household, and so my social worker Miss Val suggested came to the house one day, and suggested if I could come if I would go visit another family, a foster family, who would end up being where who would end up being 
my next foster parents and and it will become my next foster home so i'm in my so the summer after my seventh grade year i moved out of my first foster home and moved into the second um, foster home and with that foster family i would I would think that this would be my forever home for various of reasons. My foster parents, whom I should name, Debbie and Jake, were a married couple who had two adult sons, both out of the house. Actually, one was getting ready to go to college upstate, like up in western Maryland. So when I came in, it was practically going to just be me in the household as the only kid that they would have to attend to. Um, Jake, who was my foster dad, was a retired veteran, was a retired veteran who was on disability because he had an injury that he sustained from a really bad car accident. And then there was Debbie, who was... A government employee working in D.C. I think at the time she was working in the Department of Health and Human Services. She had some important government job. I'm not really sure. And she also was also had a Ph.D. So she was also known as a doctor. And I really had so much like like I admire her like so much. Like I thought that. She was who I wanted to be when I grow up. So going into this home, I thought they knew from the get-go that I was a really good student. So they challenged me to keep up with my good grades as I uh, finish up um, middle school. And so I did that. I kept up with honor rolls and and I was partaking in school activities. This was a time where I actually did um, step and I really like I really enjoyed doing step I was also doing soccer and I was um, becoming more and I was becoming more and more of a teenager I was getting I was able to hang out with friends outside of school and and feel like a teenager for the for the first time in my life I feel like a teenager I feel like a kid I feel like a kid doing kid things and I was in an environment where I was allowed to do that so it really broke me when things didn't work out the way that I thought it would be I thought Debbie and Jake were really the ones that were going to keep me and it just never really worked out that way and the way that it didn't work out was it was it was quite um abrupt so practically um one day um in during the summertime i um did something out of irrational fear that it set my foster dad jake off so badly that um, he asked the social worker, Miss Val, my social worker, Miss Val, if I could be removed from the home. It was, um, an awful day for me because, um, that morning when I woke up, he, he, I got, we were just bickering back and forth. I don't know what we were bickering about, but it just wasn't a good situation. And I'm not sure what I did to upset him, but he already just didn't, he just was not having any, um, he just wasn't putting up with me today. And so I did something, um, quite irrational. I escaped, I 
I escaped out of my bedroom window, which I climbed out of, and took a walked almost two miles down to a nearby food market where I would then get a hold of a phone and call my social worker. And that day, um, my social worker came to pick me up and told me that I was being asked to leave. And from there, I would go into recip care. And for those of you guys who don't know what recip care is, in the foster care system, when children need to be pl- who are com- who need to be placed in emergency, they have there are foster parents who are willing to provide short term short term um, care, which means that instead of being there long term, you will only be there for a few weeks, a couple of days, or even a few months. It, the whole point of recip care that is it is very short term. It is not something that needs to it is not something that necessarily needs to be um prolonged. So there are foster parents out there who just provide recip care, which means they only to provide care for children and only in emergent situations. And so I was staying in a recip care environment for a couple of days with an elderly woman and her daughter. And this takes me to um, my next foster home. My second foster home, I was only there from ages 13 to 14 because I was finishing up my, I was there for only my eighth grade year. And my next foster home, I was only there for 14 to through 16. And I feel like this is probably one of the most troubling situations that I ever encountered in my entire foster care life up to this point. And so um, I'm going to be right back. I'm going to take a little pause right here and just gather my thoughts real quick before I share more. Because um, what I'm about to share with you may or may not make sense or may be troubling for you to even understand as a listener. So I'll be right back with my foster life story. Okay, so we're at my third foster home. I'm my foster parent is a single mother. Her name is I'm gonna call her Mary Ann. Mary Ann had had by the time I was coming to her home, into her home, she has two adult sons. One was out of the house. The other was living at home, but he was mainly independent and had his own space and even paid rent from what I understood. She also had two teenage daughters. The oldest one was getting ready to leave her college in Western Upper West Maryland. And her and her oldest daughter, who she adopted when she was a young age, um, a, a very young girl, not the foster, not Marianne, the fo- the foster daughter. When the foster daughter was, uh, when her adopted daughter was a very young girl, they were very close and they had a very uh, close relationship. Um, when I was in the home, their relationship grew apart, and it was probably very heartbreaking. I don't really understand. I didn't. I didn't really understand much. Um, but um, there was this idea that was at the time when their relation, when I was in the home, their relationship fell apart. There was a this idea that I had something to do with it, that I had something to do with uh, worsening their relationship, with the worsening of their relationship. 
Um, and then she had the other daughter, her other daughter, who was about my age. And so there's that. It was me, my foster parent, Mary Ann, and her her teenage daughter, who was my age. And then her oldest daughter, oldest daughter was leaving to go to college. And her adult son is still at home. There, that's the picture. <laughs> um... In the beginning, we got along pretty great. It was fine. She saw that I was a really good student and really encouraged me to keep up with my grades. And um, and I just joined um, sports. Uh, I tried to join, do, join sports. I did extracurricular activities. This was, I really dived into forensics. If you guys don't know what the forensics club is it's basically a speech club where you uh take um different um experts from books plays movies songs poems whatever and you basically reenact them as like a speaker and try to use different tones and and really like just try to like use different tones and emotions to really um, move your audience it was really good it's really impactful i really encourage everybody if you can to do forensics or do speech club a certain speech club at your school if you offer it anyways i was doing that i was doing um school work uh and that and that and there's that at this time I was severely struggling in my mental health. I had suicidal ideation. I was going to counseling. I was also undergoing psyche vows where I would express to the person who was administrating my psyche vows. I'm not sure, looking back, if it was a counselor, like such as somebody with a psychology background or if it was a social worker. I that was never established to me anyways when you're a foster kid it's very common actually very very common that you would be going to counseling because um, for most cases they actually encourage you or require it require it by the court my foster parent Marianne was very much on on the anti-mental health train, especially since she practically was probably influenced by community, especially in the black community where conversations surrounding with surrounding mental health, mental illness, medication, counseling, it's all connected to the idea that you must be somewhat crazy. And as a young, as a teenage girl going through the system, she would put this idea on me that if I didn't act, if I didn't act straight or act um, proper, especially in front of the white, quote unquote, white social workers, that they will just deem me crazy or put me in a mental health hospital lock me away or whatever and that's just something that no 14 15 year old girl needs to hear yes in this home i was probably i was definitely age 14 to 16 i don't looking back i'm not sure how i made it in this I how I survived two years in this home because my foster mom was brutally and even emotionally abusive I mean she would definitely say things to me to definitely get under my skin but not only that um she would definitely um, talk down to me, ridicule me in front of other people, humiliate me because she felt like she had that power. 
in the local foster care community that um in the local foster care community where I grew up in the foster care system, she had the reputation of being one of the better foster parents or like one of the best foster parents in the area because of how many kids she would foster throughout her home. She would always um, tell me that I was one of the worst kids out of 50 or so that she has had fostered, like one of the worst difficult kids that she's ever had because of the mental health issues and even all the issues that I uh, probably gave her when while I was in her home and not only that um, she was also at a later point when while I was in a home she would take in a foster baby and she would also get married during this time when I was in our home. She met a guy and got married to a couple months later. But that's not uh, significant to the story. So she's juggling a lot, a lot of things. She's juggling motherhood and foster parenting. You know, being a mother to her teenage daughter who was still living at home while the oldest one was away. Um, the oldest daughter who she adopted was away at college and then she's a full-time employee at a school she worked at a at a local school as a school nurse and then she was going to school herself part-time night school actually um to work on her degree so she could become a work in psychology in the near future so She's doing all of this and she's fostering me and she's, she's not even trying to be attentive to my problems. She just does not want to deal with it, especially times where um, social services had to call her because they needed to notify her that I was, uh, that I had expressed to the person who was administrating my psyche valves that I was feeling suicidal and that she needed to take me to the crisis center and you know when you as a foster parent when you hear that you would think that it would create some kind of like emotion in you to be alert and you know be attentive and care for the foster kid that is under your under your supervision that you might need to you it, it just it creates a sense that you need to be maternal you need to actually care about the kid that's actually in your care and when you hear something like that it should alarm you it should alert you to know that there's a problem in your house and you need to attend to it nope just that wasn't her and matter of fact, she told me to my face, especially when I was going through really hard times that, you know, she would ridicule me. She would tell me that you need to get your act straight. You can't afford to look crazy as a black girl in front of these quote unquote white social workers. They're going to lock you away in some psych hospital and you're just never getting out. Just unbelievable things that you really shouldn't say to a teenage girl. And just really inappropriate. And now that I look back, I just realized that I don't know how I made it two years in that house. I eventually, I eventually ended up leaving because um, my maternal aunt came back in the picture and my first, yeah, this is the same aunt that I talked about in the earlier side of this episode. My aunt Elaine and Uncle John, um, they came into the picture and they decided to bring me back in to the house after years of going through the foster care system because nothing was really working out for me in these foster homes. And it's almost... Uh, 
it's almost like I'm making a circle. You know, going back to the first um, people that I thought I was safe with, that I thought would never give up with me, and now I'm just expected to just be here and safe with them. And at this point, my struggles still persist. I still I still struggle with depression. I'm still going the counseling for it, and I'm at a new school. And roughly, and I had to switch schools at a time where switch schools at the beginning, roughly at the beginning of 11th grade, because where I was going to school and for my aunt's place, like the bus route was basically non-existent and my aunt wasn't willing to drive me back and forth to school every day for the next, I don't know, two years, I guess. So there was no other choice but to switch schools. And the school that I ended up, uh, the high school that I ended up um, going to was the one I ended up graduating from, which was John F. Kennedy. And I just feel so beaten down. I felt so beaten down by the foster care system. I felt felt I felt so beaten down by my foster parent Mary Ann, who treated me horribly, um, emotionally, fundamentally, spiritually. Um, I the immense abuse that this woman put me through. She was just probably probably better off just hitting me, right? <laughs> like physical abuse. It taught me that physical and emotional abuse they it could they could sometimes be so intertwined that you know sometimes it doesn't feel like one could be worse than the other and so sharing a little bit about my auntie Lane and Uncle John, one thing that I will thank them for is they introduced me to the church, they got me involved in the um, team ministry where I was where I first learned how to um, study the Bible and here's the thing about God um, God and me um, throughout my times in foster care, foster care each home that I went to there was some religious foundation in each foster home all of my foster parents you know Jewel the single grandmother in my first foster home, Debbie and Jake, um, the couple in my second foster home, and then Mary Ann, they all believed in God. They all believed in the power of the church and knowing that there is a there there is a God that there is somebody that you're going to need to answer to when you do leave this world. And yes. That was one of the things that still persists is that this idea of God and that he is prevalent in your life. And so I was with my aunt from 16 to 18. I ended up graduating high school while in her care. And I ended up going to church. I ended up studying the Bible. I ended up making God um, my Lord and Savior of my life. And decided to get baptized a couple weeks, a few weeks before graduation. And it really showed me that um, that despite all of my struggles in the foster care system, that there is a father in heaven that has looked over me and has uh, graciously has placed his hand on me and has protected me from very, um, from very grueling situations and and has loved me despite all of my mistakes and flaws and all the bad things I've done that he looks at me and he thinks and he sees that I'm his daughter and there's nothing that could really change that and so from 18 to 21 I get ready um to leave for college I I went to college for uh for a short time 
before taking a break. And I ended up aging out of the foster care system at 21 because in the state of Maryland, there's this thing, uh, there is the extension of foster care. In some states, you age out of foster care right at 18 because that's when you become a legal adult. In other states, Maryland is one of them. You age you can age out at 21 because they they have programs and they call it um, the extension of foster care. I forgot what they call it. It's something about um, you know independent living. You know you know you're you're an adult, but you're not ready to age out. And there is some debates about whether or not um, if foster children should what is a good age to be aged out of the foster care system and in my opinion it's all really difficult it's all really muddy and there can't be some governmental like like uh some governmental ban on it that says okay this is the exact age that this person that foster children need to be leaving the system. Like this is when they officially should age out. I think it's just, it's too murky, it's too complicated and you can't really put a time limit or even an age limit on it. But I think that's gonna be all safe for another episode. <laughs> so what has the foster care been growing? Let me start this over again. What has being in foster care has taught me? Well, it has taught me, it has re- revealed in me that I have an inner armor that I never knew that I had had in me all these time, all these times where I've gone through really hurtful, traumatic situations and and um, I needed to be protected and I needed to be able to move forward and know that um, it's not a reflection on me or who I am as an individual. And it also says here in Psalms 139:14, 14, it says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. And I look at that scripture and I think, yes, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. God made me, God empowered me to be able to stand up for myself in grueling situations and never um, let anybody or anything kick me down because they think that they can. This world could be such a harsh, harsh place and people are going to are going to try to stampede you, but you always have to hold your own because not everybody that claims to support you is going to do what's best for you. Another thing that being the foster care system, that being the foster care system has taught me is that you should never be so so short-sighted and that you should always be looking forward and be persistent. And be proactive about your future, about your plans, and don't live and don't give into the stereotypes or th- believe that you're going to be uh, statistic, that you're going to grow out of the foster care system and go into the welfare state and just rely on the government and maybe and be jobless and maybe a drug addict, which is overwhelmingly the statistics that you can actually make a place for yourself in this world that you can actually be a success story that you can um find your own and do something that makes you happy and work towards something that will not only um sustain you but even uplift you out of your circumstances out of your circumstances just how it says in jeremiah 29 11 for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you and you will seek me 
and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And sometimes I look back and think about the times where I struggled with suicide ideation. Those were times where I think about giving up the most and think about not wanting to do with anything or anybody in this world. And um, that was really hard for me. It was really hard because I felt that uh, God kind of casted me out a little bit. And that I was just not good for anything. When all of that is just such an extreme lie. And it's a lie that the world feeds us. That we are nothing. That we, uh, that even when you come from a system that disenfranchises disenfranchise you so much like the foster care system you are made to feel that you are nothing and that you have nothing when in fact you have everything you can have just about everything and anything that you want and that you have a a place in the kingdom that you have a place with god like god mapped you out mapped out your life for you he writes he wrote down everything that happened to you. He's already has, has had your story written down before you even go to the next chapter. And he knows what your future has in store for you. And it's a beautiful one. And I believe that regardless of the challenges and struggles, God has something better planned for you. That it's just all for nothing. That it's all not just helpless. And I think in the foster care system, it's really, especially when you read stories of kids going through um, foster home at the foster home, aging out with nothing. And then something happens and they're able to buy their first, first home. First home. And they're able to uh, find love and have a job and go and go into a career that they long dreamed of and I and even go to college and I think that's a really really beautiful thing and I think we need um to hear more stories of that more stories of um people growing out of the foster care system and actually doing something I we need to hear um we need to be powering um foster children and making them believe that they can be something, that they are to be something because God made them special. He has plans for them, plans to prosper them, plans to not hurt them. And in this system where it is very well that people are not looking out for your best interests, know that there is Someone out there looking for your best interests in every circumstances. So, I hope that um, listening, listening by listening to my story, that it gives you some glimpse. I encourage you to do more research about the foster care system. My story, my is only just a glimpse of what goes on in the foster care system and as i um progress through these episodes i hope to share more stories surrounding the foster care system and why it needs more and more attention today until next time this has been her america